0: Visions chapter six. Last week we looked at the topic, how to draw strength from God when strength is taken from you. And um, we looked at the lady with the issue of blood and we spoke about when the day of evil visits you. And we know that the day of evil it's the day of evil when you land in trouble. And the most beautiful thing and wonderful thing is that God has promised that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. He is there when those moments occur. So let's read from Ephesians chapter six again and from verse 10. Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, there is a contextual understanding of that day of evil, but there is also a practical understanding of that day of evil, and you may have experienced it this past week. But it says, when the day of evil comes, that you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, Paul says, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Father, as we speak Just from your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would take these words and quicken them to our spirits, Father, that we may hear and understand, and that we may apply these things to our lives, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we spoke about how to draw strength from God when strength is taken from us. And I thought this week as I encountered a number of situations within my own life and in the lives of other people, I, I had this thought that came into my mind and it was almost like the Holy Spirit quickened it to me and I started prepare, preparing around this thought. And it is simple this, simply this. What do you do when someone else gets you into trouble, and when your strength is taken from you. And I sat back and I thought over the many years that I've served God, no one has ever told me how to deal with life when someone else gets me into trouble. Have you ever had a situation where you got into trouble and someone told you how to get out of trouble? Well, I have a wonderful sister. And she's about 18 months older than I am, and we're best friends. And we've been best friends for many, many years. And she always used to say to me, "Piet, when you get into trouble, just call me." And if any of you know Luz, she'll fight for her brother. And um, and so whenever I would get into trouble, and I remember one time. Oh, we were maybe 10, 11, 12. My sister a little bit older. And as children do, the parents were having lunch while well, dinner together and uh, they were having fun. And all of the children, there were about 10, 15 of us from the community. And we started running. And we used to call it tuk," And we used to play that in the neighborhood. So you ran to the neighbor's house, you knocked on the door, and then you just ran again. And then they would come out and look who you are. And and we would just go down the street, and we would play tuk talk tuk-tuk. Talk, talk, talk. And uh, it was a whole lot of fun. And in those days, we thought we could do it. And when we got to about the fourth or the fifth house, as we tok talk, talk, this door opened, and this lady came out, and she grabbed a hold of a couple of the kids. And she grabbed a hold of me. And um, she came and she slapped us across the face. And she wanted, and my sister to step forward. I mean, she was what, 12, 13, 14. Step forward. And she says, you dare slap me and I'll sort you out. <laughs> and from that day, I knew that I had a friend in my sister. And whenever I would get into trouble, my sister would be close. I'll tell you one more story. I remember going to a high school, and we had just moved to a new city, well, town called Rustenburg in South Africa. Nadia and John Joseph lived there for a number of years, and some of the people who attended lived, so it is quite a famous place. And I remember us moving to the high school there, and it, uh, you, uh, you know, no one really knew us. But my sister obviously was—I think she was two grades higher than me—and so I just came into grade six those years. But my sister was in grade eight, and so as in the schools within South Africa, what happened was you had, um, what's the, you had initiation, and so for all of the grade six for about the first month of your entrance into a high school, they would initiate us. I said, we would have to do all kinds of silly stuff and some stuff that wasn't so silly too. And so they did all of that. And of course, I walk into the school and um, for whatever reason, the prefects of the school uh, took a liking to me, but they wanted to really initiate me. And make an example of me. And so I walked with them, and whatever they told me, I had to go and do. And it is amazing when someone tries to get you into trouble. (laughs) You know, God looks out for you. And so they said to me, you see that girl there, grade eight? I said, yes. They said, as part of your initiation, you need to run up to that girl, and you need to kiss her. Well, that wasn't too hard for a grade six boy to do. But, of course, that was like a big thing. And I, wow, run right up to the, And it was a group of girls who were in grade eight. But they didn't know that my sister and I were family. And my sister was a part of that group. And I just ran up. And my sister knew what was happening. And I went and I... Kissed my sister on the cheek. And of course, it was so easy f- for me to do. And, and of course, you know, the joke backfired with them. And then only afterwards, when it all happened, they realized that that was my sister. My friends, when other people try and get you into trouble, God is there with you. And the moral of the story is that so often, it's not us ourselves who get us into trouble but it's other people, and how do we actually deal with it? Uh, My friends, more seriously, we know that sometimes our children get us into trouble. And we don't always know how to deal with that. Sometimes our spouse gets us into trouble. Sometimes we get other people into trouble because of our actions. And the question is, how do we get out of it? I mean, my friends, as we have come through the corona period and still walking through it, we've gotten into trouble into a number of areas. And the question is, how do we deal with those things which are beyond our control? You know, it's it's very interesting. The Bible speaks about situations like that. If you look at the life of Joseph, his jealous brothers and his father's poor judgment got Joseph in the book of Genesis into deep trouble for many, many years. Go and find out how he dealt with it. One of the most perplexing stories is when Isaac lies to King Abimelech about Rebekah, his wife. And the story goes that uh, they find themselves in Egypt. And because he is afraid of what would happen to him, he says to the Egyptians, this is my sister instead of my wife putting Rebekah and the other people around in a very difficult situation. So Rebecca landed in trouble because of her husband, who was spineless, and he put her in a compromising position. And in Genesis chapter twenty-six, verse six, the Bible says his Rebecca, his wife Rebecca, was very beautiful, and the men of that place, asked Isaac about her. Isaac said, she is my sister, because he was afraid to tell them she was his wife. He thought they might kill him so they could have her. She landed into trouble. And of course, King Abimelech finds out, and he approaches Isaac. He says, how could you have done that to us? How could you have lied to us? And and, and how could you have compromised Your wife's status and ours, and automatically King Abimelech um, exposed the lie. He brought in the truth, and no one was allowed to touch Rebecca or Isaac. The king looked after them. Sometimes our fears get us into trouble, and we make decisions that compromises other people. And so we see that all throughout the Word of God, we have examples where someone else gets other people into trouble. And so I would like us to look at Acts chapter 27, a very practical illustration, again, where Paul lands in prison because of the gospel. He's preaching the gospel. He's placed in prison. But what happens here is that he has to go and testify about his innocence in relation to the Roman law, but stand also and say, I fearlessly proclaimed the gospel. And as a a result, he has to travel. To Rome. And um, I want us to pick up the verse here, uh, the passage here in Acts chapter 27, and I'm going to ask us to read from verse 13, please. Acts chapter 27, read from verse 13. Since Acts chapter 21, and for a period of over two years, Paul has been a prisoner. First of the Jewish authorities and then of the Roman government. And because he ultimately appealed to Caesar's authority in this matter, he is now waiting for his case to be heard before Caesar himself. And so verse 13 says this. When a gentle south wind began to blow. Be very careful for the gentle south winds. (laughs) They could often turn into something else. They saw the opportunity. So they weighed anchor, sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cuda we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men wasted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sartus. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, They threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from greed. Does that sound familiar? You should have taken my advice not to sail from creed. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. The context is very clear. Paul is on this boat because they wouldn't listen to his advice when he said we shouldn't sail. He really had no say in the matter. He was a prisoner, was put on that boat, and off they go. Now, we do know that he was on a gospel mission. We know that he was fulfilling the will of God. We know that he needed to testify before Caesar. Because the gospel had to get there. And that's the context. But he got into trouble because of someone else's decision. There are times when a husband or a wife get saved and God wonderfully frees them from their life of sin and alienation from God. Their spouse is not saved, and they live for years within a marriage that is not great. What should the wife or the husband do in a situation like that? Well, the book of Corinthians is very, very clear as the book of Corinthians speaks into it, and it says, Do not seek to be separated from your husband. If he leaves, let him go, but don't you seek that. And so scripture's very clear. When you're involved in a difficult marriage like that, seek to stay. And the Bible says, through your example, there's a possibility that this wife or this husband may come to a saving knowledge of God. So you stay in that. It's a difficult situation that you find yourself in. And I remember with my mother, my father only came to faith in Christ at the age of 60. My mom was a believer at the age of nine. And they got married and it was tough for my mom to really serve God in a home where my dad wasn't a creed. He never prevented her from going to church. He never prevented us from going to Sunday school or to church. He was a good man, but he didn't share the spiritual side of life with my mom. And I remember it was very difficult at times, but my mom only knew what the Bible says. And the Bible says, you stick with your husband. And she did that. And at the age of 60, we had the great privilege in one of our previous churches that we led that my dad gave his life to Jesus. And a wonderful story. They were sitting about five rows from the front. My sister and her husband was there. They attended another church normally, but they came to ours. My parents were there. And whenever my dad and mom would come and visit us, my dad would love to come to our church. He just loved it. And that Sunday morning, we threw the gospel net out and my sister sat next to my father. I think my father was even afraid of my sister. But she looked at my father that day, and she said to him, Dad, don't you think it's time for you to give your life to Jesus? My dad looked at her, and he said, Yes, Liz. And my sister said, Dad, take my hand. Let's walk to the front, and I'll stand with you. And there must have been another 10 people who came out and gave their lives to Jesus. And and, 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 and a wonderful friend of mine, he was, um, one of our pastors in the church, Ted Webster, as he came, I said, Ted, he said, Peter, I will pray for your dad. And Ted, who is with Jesus right now, uh, he died a, a couple of years ago, but he prayed for my dad and led him to Jesus. And the Sunday before we moved to Switzerland to take over the leadership of this church, my dad got baptized in water. And that was something like 15 years after he got saved, and so it was a slow move, but my friends, this is the amazing thing, that when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, don't listen to what Facebook says, don't listen to what your friends sometimes say, but go to the Word of God, and find out what God's Word says, and in this situation, and I highlight this um, example because it's a very common example. God's will is for us to stay married. Now, when it's an abusive, physical abusive situation, I never would counsel someone to stay with the husband. Understand that. But I think today we separate way too easily. And it is not God's way. If there's adultery, continuous adultery, my friends, the Bible is very clear. We must let them go if they want to go. And you're not under bondage in that situation. So I want to make that clear to you because you could sit here and guilt can follow you. My friends, there's no guilt and there's no condemnation. Because in Christ Jesus, he makes us free. But before a decision is made, we need to follow the word of God. See what the word of God says. Go and speak to godly counsel, men and women who you know honor the word of God. My friends, I have seen marriage after marriage restored by where either the husband or the wife just says, you know, I'm gonna trust God for this. And at times, we have seen it work. At times it didn't work, and God's grace is poured out abundantly over that personal people, particularly when they have done all they can biblically to trust God. I mean, are we on the same page? I want to make sure that I don't put any person here in bondage this morning because it's such an emotionally sensitive, hurtful situation that we're talking about here. But my friends, sometimes our spouse gets us into trouble. Sometimes our children get us into trouble. My friends, sometimes our friends get us into trouble. What do we do? Look at Paul here. Oh, I, I, I just love what he does here. Firstly, Paul, face up to To the challenge with courage and continues to live in the will of God. Face up the challenge with courage, my friends, and walk in the will of God. When you grab a hold of the Word of God and when you allow the truth of God's Word to enter your spirit, there is courage that comes to do the right thing, amen? But we've got to go to the Word of God. Advice of people is fleeting. That means it comes and it goes. What Twitter and Facebook says, you can't trust, amen? But the Word of God is steadfast and sure, and when that truth enters our lives, we can push through, I honestly, and I don't know why I'm sharing the example of my mother, maybe there's some of you listening or watching, that's in this situation, but but she pushed through some hard, hard situations. I remember the day when my father got saved, she was so overjoyed, and it took years for my dad to learn the new lifestyle of a Christian. But my friends, I know that my father is in heaven today. Isn't that wonderful? And part of the reason is because of a faithful wife who had faith in God and who had enough courage to push through the difficult times and to be faithful. You know, that's why, oh, my mom has faults. But you know what, when I look at her life, she's a true inspiration to me of a lady who didn't have it easy, but who pushed through obstacles and obstacles and obstacles. And she reaped the benefit of a family that's really caring for her now. It's a wonderful thing, but my friends, when someone else gets you into trouble, be courageous. Look at what the word of God says. Go to godly people who you know is spiritually stronger than you who believe in the flawless word of God. Let them talk you through it and talk you through it and walk with you and don't give up. God may do a miracle. I want to encourage you. Go and read. The book of Corinthians, if you find yourself in a situation where you have a marriage, that's not great. Just go and read it. Get you know, 1 Corinthians 4, 6, 7. I mean, all of that deals. When you find yourself in a difficult situation. Verse 20 says, 22 says in Acts chapter 27. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because no one will be lost. Paul speaking to the whole crew here. He says, Guys, God is revealing something to us. God is speaking. God is speaking. Hang your courage on this word. And let's set the course. Finish it and go. So what must you do when someone gets you into trouble? The best way is call your sister. But if that fails, face up to the challenge with courage. Continue to live in God's revealed word to you, the will of God. Do it. Verse 27 verse 31 says, Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. There was a condition to them being rescued. (laughs) And interesting. There was a condition. It means uh, 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 for us to get out of trouble. When someone else has put us into trouble, there's a step of obedience on our part. These things don't happen automatically. Like I said last week, we need to appropriate the blessings of God. That means we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, but by faith, we need to make them personal in our lives and walk it out. And it's exactly the same when we find ourselves in a compromising situation. We need to, in faith, obey what God has said. So secondly, listen for God's voice in the midst of the chaos. You see, when others get you into trouble, you need to listen for God's wo- voice. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, I so often, you know, in our great adventure over the last year, eight years here in Switzerland, there are times when I've been in trouble. And um, what really sustained me was when I would go and walk and I'd speak to God and either through the word of God or through impressions into my heart, God would speak to me. And you know, in the midst of some chaos where I didn't know whether I was gonna be able to make it through, God sustained me because of what he was saying. I love to hear the voice of God, don't you? If you do not hear the voice of God, please come and speak to us and we can help you to also hear God's voice. And sometimes I wanna hear him speak and then he doesn't speak. And then I just follow on what he said previously. Can I share another personal illustration about this? We've been in Switzerland for eight years. I'm 57 years old. I don't know what the next step for Jenny and I would be. Where would we go to? If we go back to South Africa? Do we go into Europe? Where do we go to? And sometimes I'm quite anxious because I want to be a responsible husband, father, and a responsible church leader. I never want to overstay our welcome within this church, and so our hearts need to be open, and so we want to hear God's voice, we want to hear what other people say, but until we hear what God says next, we put our confidence in what God said previously, amen? That's a great way to find peace in God, And so i go through the things God did, i go through the things God says, and it fills my life with peace. We see here that when we are in trouble, listen to what God said to you or what God is saying to you, and that will give you courage too. My friends, I love it when God speaks. And the more we love his voice, the more we'll actually hear his voice. The wonderful thing. I want to make you jealous today if you say you don't hear God's voice in a godly way and that you would earnestly say, Lord, would you speak to me? And I, 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 I just read the Bible. I read the Bible and God speaks. You know, Scripture, I don't just say, okay, now speak to me and I open the Bible. I read the Bible from different points and sometimes, boom, it just opens up to me and there is a confirmation um, voice within my spirit, and uh, I speak to other people about it, and oftentimes, it is actually what God says to me. My friends, I want you to be very careful when you do say, well, God says this to me, or God said that to me. Be very, very careful. Subjectively. Objectively, we listen to what the Word of God says. Don't get too smart with this, Because if you do something that is contrary to this, you're getting yourself into trouble. And sometimes it's a whole lot harder to get out of trouble when you get yourself into trouble than when someone else gets you into trouble. If you feel you're doing a certain thing that God told you to do, or that you think you want to do, and you think you're being wise, the Bible gives us clarity to find out whether what you're doing or what you're saying, or the route that you're taking is the right route. And during the corona time, everybody's telling me everything. Everybody has opinions. Have you known that? Everybody. It doesn't matter who I phone. Everybody has opinions. You know, and um, I'm a little bit tired of everybody's opinions. You know, it's just so varied. But Everybody says, this is what God is saying, that is what God is saying, and it's so different. So when you hear God's voice, how can you actually find out whether what you want to do is wise or not? And the scripture is very helpful. James chapter three, verses 13 to 18. And I'd like you to listen to what I'm reading here because this is the word of God. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, There you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, if you're reading your Bibles, can you mention it? Say it again. Pure. Would you say pure with me? But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Then, peace-loving then considerate, then submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. My friends, it doesn't matter what you believe and what you say. At the end of the day, your actions reveal whether your wisdom is from God or whether it's actually from yourself, which sometimes the Bible says is demonic. And so when you hear God's word, pass it through those gates. And you know what? When uh, we try and make decisions within the church, you know, this is a scripture that I go to, and I pass it through those gates to see whether it is good. Amen? Amen. That will help us tremendously as we walk through almost as a cloud and such a thick cloud during this corona epidemic. Take the word of God and allow it to pass through. And then Philippians chapter four, verses eight to nine says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. That's the type of wisdom. That is godly and that is helpful. And then lastly, well, second to last, believe that he's got you when someone else has gotten you into trouble. So, firstly, what happens when someone gets you into trouble? Face up to the challenge with courage and walk in the will of God. Secondly, listen to God's voice in the midst of chaos. Thirdly, believe that he's got you. It's a wonderful truth. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Some of you are sitting here today and you feel a little bit insecure. If you are a child of God, believe that God's got you. It doesn't matter what happens to my sons, wherever they are, I want them always to know that The earthly father has them. (laughs) I've got them. How much more our heavenly father? He's got you. Friends, he's got you. This is the God that we serve. And this is what Paul said to these men. God has you, but stay in the boat. That was the condition. Until the word is given to leave. And then lastly, when someone else gets us into trouble, be prepared for some bumps along the way. Paul says here to Timothy in 2 Timothy, that is why I am suffering as I am. Just because we're in the will of God. And just because God has us. And just because he spoke to us, don't think that there's gonna be no bumps along the way. Hey, my friends, sometimes when we're perfectly in the will of God, the bumps are the biggest. (laughs) Because he is doing something within our lives to make us more holy. And sometimes when someone else got us into trouble, God says, I'm going to use it for your benefit. And that's the most beautiful thing about belonging to this incredible God. When someone else gets us into trouble, God has even a better plan for us. Would you stand as I share this closing thought with you? This is how gracious and loving God is. When someone's gotten you into trouble, watch where the devil is trying to steal from you in that situation to make you small and to harm you. God abundantly will restore you and give back to you. Do you believe that? If you don't, you should start believing that because he's such a great God, such a gracious God. I mean, for me, if one of my sons or even someone in the church, if they're going through a difficulty and they say to me, Peter, can you spend a half an hour with me? I want to spend an hour with them. (laughs) If someone say, go one mile with you, Jesus says, goes two Go two or three miles with him. That, that's his heart. My friends, do you think he's going to treat you any different? When you, if you are in trouble today, look for the salvation of God. He's got you, and he wants to minister to you.
1: I just want to read you something from Proverbs, which has been going around in my head all morning. It says this, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left and keep your foot from evil. So often when we're on a path that someone else has put us on, it's a difficult path, lots of bumps, we keep wanting to get off because we want to be on another path. And Piet was saying this morning so, so wisely, he was saying, face up to the challenge before you. Face up, walk that path and see what God will do. When we're on a difficult path, it's an amazing opportunity for God to do incredible things. But so often our human nature, we want to get off that path and we want to walk another path. Another way of saying it is this. Love the husband or wife you have, not the one you wish you had. Love the children you have, not the children you wish you had. Love the church you have not the church you wish you had. It's like whatever path we're on, let's face up to the challenge and let's watch what God does. Because I truly believe that when we choose these level paths that we're on, that God will do amazing things before our eyes. But if we keep wishing to get off that path, we're never going to see the salvation of God. And so that's just what I want to share.
0: We can respond to that and and let's do that. I'd, I'd, I'd love for you just to stand before God and just to open up your heart, just to say, God, would you fill me with courage to walk on the path that you've given to me.